and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is Tom Bresnahan. Now Tom is a former actor. He's probably best known for his starring roles in Ski School. I mean, what a fantastic movie. We've had Stuart Franken on, we also had Patrick Labrador, so all we need now is Dean Cameron. Dean, if you're listening, please come on. He also starred in the cult horror classic, The Brain. Fantastic movie. If you can find it, I think it's on Amazon Prime right now. Watch it. It's really good. And he has some memorable guest starring roles on television. In fact, one of the roles he beat out Brad Pitt, so we discussed that. He also guest starred on a memorable Family Ties. He shares a great story about Michael J. Fox. He also starred in the short-lived Dick Wolf show called Help. It was like from, I think, 1990, 91. And it featured an amazing cast, a young Wesley Snipes, David Caruso, playing a cop, of course, John Mahoney from Frasier, Joe Orler from Seinfeld, who we had Joe on last year. But what Tom's doing now is far more important than any role he had on TV or the movies. He's a youth counselor, so he helps facilitating like lasting changes for like struggling like 15 to 24 year old young men and their parents who obviously are very frustrated you know with, with their son struggling so tom works with them we talk about that and tom originally from Queens, so we share that with basically neighbors really nice guy and i hope you enjoy my conversation with him so tom thank you so much for joining me today i really appreciate it of course, it's great to be here, Noel. You know, we're almost, I guess you can say, we're almost through this pandemic now, you know, over two years in. Um, how have the last two years been for you? You know, that's a great question. Um, because I work from home on Zoom, I have clients all over the country. I'm a, I'm a counselor, coach, and mentor. Um, it really hasn't affected me. It, it did affect things in as far as... Um, my service, if you will, is, is sort of a luxury. So when, when money gets tight, I'm kind of the first thing to go or one of the first things, you know, the personal trainer, the, the housekeeper, the therapist. Um, but, but other than that, it hasn't really affected me. It affected my 15 year old daughter a lot, which was painful for me to watch having them masked up in school and all the fear mongering and, because as you know, I, I know the pandemic and COVID was, was bad, but for, for, te- for 18 and under, there was really no yeah. credible health risk for them. They, I think they had a 99.9997 survival rate. And it, it, it was frustrating for me how they kind of jacked up all the kids because uh, my daughter would tell me stuff from her little friend group and things they would hear especially when it was zoom when they weren't going to school right that that kids were having a really hard time and and in my work with young men i i really saw that a lot these last two years that the young men as you know boys and girls are different even though they're saying they're not these days they are different right and boys are much more <clears throat> horseplay and they they even more need that in-person bouncing off each other kind of environment. So it really affected them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because my son now is uh, 17 and half his time in high school was, you know, being at home and just, you know, things being canceled. And it's, you know, thankfully now it's, 
having a, you know, a prom, you know, in-person prom, a graduation. So things are kind of back to normal. Thankfully, he can enjoy his last year. But a lot of time was taken away, not only from my son, but all these kids. And it's, it's really important yeah. time they're not getting back. Exactly. And, and the young kids, as far as developmentally and, 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 and facial expressions and, and lip reading to help your verbal skills um, was really just dwarfed or whatever the right word is. That's not the right word. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. It, it, was, it was stunted for them too. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully we've moved past it now and can get back, yeah. back on track as a country. Right. Did you see like, because of, of the time, you know, taken away that your services were needed even more? I know it's like, you said that they were like the first to go, you know, cause it's a luxury, but like the demand at first was kind of high for you. Well, yeah, to, to, to sort of unpack that a little more, <clears throat> I think at first when people were afraid for their jobs, and there was restaurants closing and all you, you, there was a bit of a pullback, but exactly what you just said, then people realized, oh my God, I need this more to, to help my son. So then, then I sort of had an uptick. So it, it all worked out. Yeah. Uh, but, but definitely it's, um, it was really tough on the, on the kids. Right. And obviously, you know, you're going to, you know, to school for this career as well, but did your time in Hollywood also help? being a young actor? You know, it, it did because a lot, as, as you can understand, 15 to 24 year old boys, they look at me, I, I'm 60. So, and I wow. can pass for 45. So Absolutely. they look, they look at me and, and I don't say that I'm not being cocky. I'm just like reporting the news. Um, so they look at me and they're like, wow, he's older than my dad. And he seems really cool. And wow, he was in movies and TV yeah. and, and, and the money and all that. So it's a sort of a thing where it, it's not an ego thing. It's, it's where I can say to them and have that social proof that look, I've gotten a lot of all the stuff that you think's going to fix you. I've been, super successful as far as Hollywood been in movies yeah. and TV. I also had a company in the fashion industry with my ex-wife made millions of dollars dated before I was married actresses and playboy playmate. Yeah. You understand. And, and the multi-million dollar house. I had all the stuff that I knew would fix me to sort of fill that hole from my painful childhood. And it didn't. And so having that social proof and being able to say that to them and, and say, look, man, this is the stuff you really need to focus on. You really need to focus on stop with the porn, stop with the vaping, stop with the weed, stop with all the crazy shit and focus yourself. You are in a very critical time right now. That's going to affect the entire trajectory of your life. And, and not to sort of wander off your question. Um, the, the, the sort of social proof with Hollywood where they can go on Google and, and pull me up and pictures and the internet movie database and all that, that really gets them and, 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 and helps me to sort of get them to really listen because right. there's that social proof there. Yeah. How hard is it? Like, does it meet like their eyes open up when you tell them you had all that stuff and it didn't fix you? Like, does it take a while for them to like realize that? Or does it like, wow, 
it happened to him, it could happen to me. I mean, it, it, it does take a few sessions, if you will, but when they feel the sincerity and the gravitas and how I'm trying to tell them, look, I had a sort of painful teen years myself. My parents are good people. They're still together, married 60 years, happy. But things were kind of crazy back then. And <clears throat> I kind of had this hole in my heart, if you will, to a certain extent, thinking that if I just become a famous actor and have all the money in the house and the beautiful woman, then that'll fix me. And I got a lot of it. Obviously, I wasn't a star. We get that. But I, I, I had a, a, a good taste of it and right. it, it didn't fix it. And, and, and so it's almost a relief to them because then they go, oh, okay. They, they, they sort of feel on a visceral level that nothing outside of me is going to really fix me. And, and it's the inner work and, and, and my relationship with myself and the world and, and values, virtue, integrity, and what do I want to do? How can I use my gifts? How can I be a leader? How can I work with my parents to, to, to sort of communicate with them and, and learn to respectfully ask for what I want instead of acting out and acting crazy. All those things sort of, it, it, it's a jumping off place, if you will. Right. When I say to them, there's, there's nothing you're going to get out there that's going to do this for you. Um, and, and that's usually when the work really starts because I really get their attention. Right. So how long after you start working with them, do you see like those kind of results? It depends. It's, it's, it's on an individual basis. Right. Some boys are, are they an extrovert? Are they an introvert? Are they acting out in school or are they doing pretty good as far as behavioral negative behaviors but they're not doing good in school or are they did a girlfriend break up with them and they're so it, it's 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 very sort of individual but um it, it does happen pretty quick all right because they're so smart today they're exposed to so much more than we, i don't know how old you are i'm assuming we're around the same age it's it's so much different because they're exposed to things so much earlier my 15 year old daughter says stuff to me and i'm like jesus she seems like she's 30 i know it's nuts we did we weren't exposed to all that stuff at her age when i was 15 there was no again i don't want to date myself but there was no cell phones internet cable nothing we had three channels go outside and run around exactly come back for dinner that that was good yeah i I totally agree now how long have you been doing this about 10 and a half, coming up on 11 years. I, my, my last job in Hollywood, I, I did a guest shot on private practice. It was right. like a Grey's Anatomy spinoff or yeah. something. And that was in the fall of 2008. And I kind of realized that I'd worked, obviously, I, I'd had a lot of shots on the sort of A level earlier in, in the early 90s where I was really in the game, but it just hadn't happened as far as, and I think the producers, the buyers in the town were like, good actor, you know, he's decent, but I was kind of off the lists to get up for the really good stuff. And I just, at that point, I was 45 or something, 46. And I, I thought, I don't really want to be 
trying to get a gas shot to pay the mortgage or right. three days on a film. So I can, I don't want to be in that position, especially in my fifties. And so, because it was sort of the family business, my parents, as I said, having been therapists for, <coughs> excuse me, a long time, I, I, I just had a real interest in that and, right. and went back and went to school and got certifications and, uh, and just got it going around 2010, beginning of 11, somewhere around there. Do you see the difference of like, because 10 years is a long time with technology and stuff. Now you have, you know, TikTok and all, all that other stuff where before you really didn't have as much of it. Now, do you see some of like the changes in, in the kids since you first started as opposed to now? I do. I do. And it's not good. It's not good. Because they're, as, as you know, the dopamine hits they're getting from the likes and all the interaction. Right. And then the, and uh, it's, it really, it's, it's a Pavlovian thing, if you will, in a negative sense. And yeah. it's not good. I, I really have to explain this to them. And I remind the parents that guys like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates would not allow their children to have these devices because they knew how powerful they were. Um, and it's, um, especially boys, there's sort of a nature, um, deprivation going on. They need to be out in the fresh air. I'm actually this summer going to be having my first live event and I'm going to be doing live events because I've got to get them in person and, and do rituals and be out in nature and, and team building with other boys and stuff and, 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 and get the dads there too. Um, moms, not as much. They, they don't usually want to come to those things. Um, although some do, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's never going to go away. Obviously as you realize that the technology, but learning how to give it its place in your life and learning how critical it is to, to sort of just keep it to a minimum. As we know from science, boys in particular, their brain isn't fully developed until they're 25. Right. And, and girls, maybe 21, 22. But for both of them, the, the critical window between 15 and 20, where that those last sort of connections are being made in the wiring syncing up and the synapses and all that. If you're vaping, smoking weed, watching porn, uh, and, and all the other stuff, and then all the social media and video games, things that are supposed to happen that, for instance, happen with you and I, they're not happening. And, and what's really scary is it's not like if you stop down the road, then it'll happen. It's, it's, it's in this critical five-year window for the most part, and whatever doesn't happen will not happen. Right. And, and I think what I see in my practice is I sort of have two divisions. I have the teen division and then the 20s division, 15 to 19, and then 20 to 24. 15 to 19 is more of mastering the fundamentals. 20 to 24 is, is preparing to launch, if you will. And what I even see in my own practice, just in this these short decade, is the 20 to 24 year olds, because of they're not getting that brain development, it's affecting their ability to launch. And, and, and you're seeing that where for the first time in history, you've got the highest number of 25 to 35 year old young men and women living with their parents 
where you and I, after college or after getting into the workforce after high school, by 25, you were at least maybe sharing an apartment with a couple of friends or something. And, and now it's, it's, it's not happening. And then the parents get, they become despondent. Did I fail? He's living at home. He has no drive. What did I do wrong? And, and so a lot of my work with the, with the twenties guys is just trying to sort of show them what didn't happen and then doing the best we can to facilitate that and get them back on track and, and get them to launch. Right. How much of like it, having say maybe a single parent home factors into that as well? Um, it does factor in I'm divorced, uh, but I'm very good friends with my ex-wife and we really made a decision to put our daughter's welfare first and co-parent in a loving way. And it's going great. And that's what I do with parents. Obviously half the households out there now are single parents and mostly single moms. So I do work with single moms and their sons, um, and, and, and divorced parents. And, and what I say to them is, is it's, it's really critical for you to kind of grow up in a sense and, and put your kid first because they are in this really uh, vulnerable, tender place where they're, they're moving from childhood to young adulthood from that sort of little cocoon and where things are sort of all done for them. And, and if, if they don't feel like their parents are on the same page, if their parents are fighting, or if, if they're, if they're not connected to one parent, it, it really, really makes it harder for them. Yeah, let's, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about sure. why, yeah, why you decided to go into acting. Okay, cool. So I went to Western New England University and I studied business and psychology and I spent summers on Nantucket going to the beach and windsurfing and going out at night on weekends, chasing girls, you know, all that stuff in the, in the eighties. And I, it was my last summer on Nantucket 1984 after I graduated and I was in this restaurant with a friend of mine and there was the Nantucket summer theater there, summer stock. Right. And this woman said to me, she said, yeah, it just came up in conversation. She said, yeah, um, they're doing Plaza suite at the Nantucket summer theater, but it looks like they're going to have to cancel the show because the guy in the second act broke his leg and they can't find any. And if you know, Plaza suite, it's three different acts. And the middle act is, this famous Hollywood producer, Jesse Kiplinger, and he meets um, this woman, now woman who was his, the, the dream girl in high school. And now he's this big, cool guy. And he's going to meet her at the suite and tell her about what a great producer he is and try to seduce her. So I said to Tina, this woman, I said, wow, I've always wanted, it, it, it was sort of risky business. had just been out. And I was like, thought I was Mr. Joe Cool, Tom Cruise kind of thing. I had the look, blah, blah, blah. You get it. So I said, wow, it would be so cool to act. I've always 
wondered about that. And she said, you, you should do it. And I was like, what? And she said, they are desperate. If you can basically learn the lines and say it, because this whole production is shutting down. It was a, it was a big 250 seat theater. Right. It was like a real thing. And they were literally two weeks from opening. And it wasn't like they could fly an actor in from somewhere else. It, they'd already gotten their summer yeah. stock gigs. You understand. This was a big thing back then. Williamstown and all that summer right. stock. So I said, okay, all right, cool. And she said, okay, Mac Dixon, the director who was at that time, probably in his seventies. Yeah. He had been a Broadway actor and done some films and now was up on Nantucket running the Nantucket Summit Theater. And she said, I'll arrange a meeting. They gave me the script. He said, learn these two, learn this scene and then come back and we'll get the woman. Uh, she was in her, the girl, whatever. She was in her mid twenties. And, and we'll see if there's anything here. Well, I went home and I rehearsed with Jean and tried to learn the lines. And I, I was just a natural at it. It was like, it just seemed so easy to me. And I went and did this reading with the director and the actress. And he was like, you've never acted before? Are you serious? This is perfect if you want to do this. And they aged me. They put a human hair mustache right. on me and sort of grade my... And the, the show ran for a month and I did whatever, 20 something yeah. performances. I got great reviews. And Mac Dixon was like, you know, Tom, you've, my, my family came to see this show and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he said, you know, you've really got a thing for this. If you, if you want to pursue this, I could make some calls for you in New York. And long story short, I was yeah. like, the hell with Wall Street. Let me try <laughs> yeah. this. And I went to New York in the fall of 84 instead of going down to Wall Street, got an agent and started getting parts right away, little parts on soaps, commercials, and then it just snowballed right. from there. Yeah. So I think the first thing I saw you in was Family Ties. You got a guest spot on yes. Family Ties. Yeah. Family. I, 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 I moved to Los Angeles in the summer of 86. And my first job in the business, other than commercials and soaps, I did the last amazing stories that Robert okay. Zemeckis directed. Right. And Spielberg was on the set. Christopher Lloyd played this weird teacher and Mary Stuart Masterson and I were the students in the class. And I had a couple of cool little scenes. Spielberg came up to me on the second day and said, Tom, can you come here for a second? And I was like, oh my God, I'm in trouble. And he was like, I saw the dailies, you're doing a great job. And I was like, yes. And then Zemeckis, who was so freaking cool, Right. He, he was just doing the Back to the Future movies with Michael Fox. And he said, you know, Tom, you're just doing great and you're a great kid. And I'm going to call Gary Goldberg over at Family Ties, as you know, Michael's yeah. show and see if we can right. get you on there. And literally two weeks later, I was guest starring on Family Ties wow. as a fraternity president yeah. and Skippy and, my, you know, Michael yeah. Fox, whatever. Yeah. And then it just snowballed from there. Then I did my first film with Phil Alden Robinson, who had went on to do Field of Dreams. Right. Um, his first film was In the Mood with Patrick Dempsey. I was one of the friends and yeah. it just kind of snowballed from there. That's great. Do you remember the uh, handshake from the episode of Family Ties? Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I, I remember some yes. sort of yeah. secret handshake. Yeah, right. I, I just remember we shot the episode on my birthday. Okay. 
And, uh, you know, I'll be honest, I let it slip that it was my birthday. And Michael Fox was just the coolest dude. He took me out to lunch down there on Melrose, down from the Paramount Mm -hmm. Studios uh, at a place called Johnny Rockets, a hamburger place. Right, yeah. And and the waitress slipped him a little matchbook with her number on it. And and I was (laughs) like, holy shit. And he was like, dude, this is like happens all the time. And then he got a he told them to get a cake and they 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 lit candles and sang happy birthday to me like before we shot right. it in front of the audience that night and I, i'll never forget that michael yeah. fox was the coolest most down he was a big star then oh totally the first the first back to the future movie maybe even the second one had already been out and he couldn't have been more down to earth. I ran into him over the years and he'd be like, yeah. Tom, like, like, like we were buddies, yeah. just the coolest guy. Right. No, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So I want to mention one of my favorite Christmas movies, The Brain. And I know, I don't know how often you get mentioned as that being a Christmas movie, because it's, you know, su- subtle hints in there about being, you know, a Christmas movie, but um what was that experience like? You're basically facing, I don't remember those mad balls. It's like a giant mad ball at the end, the, the brain. So what was that like? Because uh, that's a cult classic, in my opinion. It is. And and it's on, you know, it's funny. All these years later, it got released back in October of last year um, on Amazon, around Halloween. Right. Uh, on Amazon Prime. And so all these people and friends were calling me and that their kids had watched it. And yeah. it was so cool seeing me as a teenager. But yeah, that was my first starring role where I was the main character in a movie. And, and I was scared. I was like, oh, my God, yeah. your character arc and all that. But it was it, it, it was great. I, I just had a great time. It was obviously low budget that the movie is. Yeah it's kind of you see that but but yeah. but it plays you know it's 90 yeah. minutes it it kind of plays and um it it holds up as far as the beginning middle and end and the through line and all that and um what i remember about it is yeah the christmas movie it was freezing cold in <laughs> toronto where we shot right. it and i had all these layers of long johns under my because i'm basically in the same costume the whole movie yeah and um I just remember throwing myself in 100% and the director, Ed Hunt, um, had done, I think, a couple of cool movies and he was just really cool to work with and sort of letting me try different stuff. And um, Cindy Preston, my co-star, was just really great to work with. Everyone, everyone was great. And um, I I just remember it as a, a, a really fun experience. And, yeah. and and just being excited and feeling lucky like oh my god i'm 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 the i'm yeah. billed first in a movie it was so right. cool you know yeah and you know horror fans know david gale who was a, the main bad guy in there he was in like the reanimator movies and he's you know he was he was crazy exactly reanimator had been out a couple of years earlier yeah. and was this big cult hit and he was so cool right david sort of took me under his wing a little bit and would give me a couple of pointers and scenes sometimes and right. was just a great guy and uh yeah it, it was it was yeah it, it was it was awesome right now talk to me how they did the, the murder scene for him like when, when you basically knocked his head right off <laughs> Yeah, that that was it, it was obviously the special effects look pretty primitive now. <laughs> you know? But 
they they kind of shot him like from the neck up and then superimposed it on the floor and put some blood around it. Yeah. And it, there was green screen. And I was just sort of, they were telling me, do this, do that. And right. um, yeah, I, I, I remember thinking even back then, like, wow, how is this going to play? It looks yeah. a little primitive, but, but I also know there's so many big stars huge yeah. stars that that their first few films they maybe did horror or i know yeah. sly stone did some soft porn and stuff right yeah <laughs> i actually worked with him i worked with sylvester on a commercial years later spent the whole day on a set with him and he was the coolest yeah. guy and then i did two movies with frank his brother okay. who's a great guy frank's yeah. a riot frank's got all the hollywood stories and i'm sure yeah <laughs> Just a riot, you know. I really got to know Frank well. We're still friendly. We still stay in touch. But Sly was the coolest too. Just yeah. so down to earth. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I can't remember the, the commercial I shot with him was probably ninety seven, ninety eight. So he's the international superstar oh, yeah. already, and he was like a down to earth guy from the neighborhood. Yo, Tommy, we ready to do this thing? Come on, man, let's go. We're back from lunch. <laughs> and I was like, this is Rocky and Rambo. God, yeah. this is so fucking cool. Well, yeah. yeah. So, like, who else, like, when you're auditioning for those roles, like, do you come across the same people over and over again? How was that? Yes, and that's a great question. Um, one of the breakthrough parts I got, if you will... I guest starred on 21 Jump Street in yeah. the fall of 87. And um, I played the biggest star in Hollywood who comes to Jump Streetville to shoot a movie. And Johnny and Peter DeLuise are my right. bodyguards. bodyguards. So yeah. literally, they're my supporting cast for this little 44-minute mm -hmm. movie. And I remember the final callbacks. And they're not, you know, for a guest shot on a guest shot on a show, they don't really. It's not like final callbacks mm -hmm. for a movie, but yeah. it's it's the sort of last four or five guys they're bringing in when when the when the to the producers when the casting directors have gone through all the actors, mm -hmm. and I'll never forget for that part it was Brad Pitt, and I think Jason Patrick, and uh, one other guy I can't remember. Um, but I kind of, you know, I beat yeah. Brad Pitt out for a party. Right. <laughs> and then obviously he became, but yeah, it was cool in those. I remember in the late eighties, like I, I remember auditioning for the brain. Um, and then another movie I did twice dead. Yeah. Um, it was either twice dead or the brain. I can't remember. Maybe it was twice dead. That was a horror film. I auditioned right after Keanu Reeves because okay. I'll never forget he came, he came out of the, this was before Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, right before, I think, or maybe he'd already shot that because he came out of the room right at, right before me and he was holding a skateboard. And I thought, wow, what a great choice. He brought yeah. a prop in. That was so cool. And then I went in and auditioned and got the part. part right. So I was like, uh, I remember years later thinking, I beat out Keanu Reeves for twice yeah. that or the brain or whatever. But yeah, it was one of those things where there would you'd see the same six, 10 guys at all the sort of the leading yeah. men, if you will, in that age range. And then someone would pop out and right. they'd, ever see them again because yeah. they were 
they had popped out and they were now getting getting offers so yeah, yeah that definitely happened yeah when, when you popped in like you know the waiting room you saw some of these guys who were like oh shit it's him again or it's like hey good i'm glad he's here because i beat him before for a role yeah i mean I, you know, I can honestly say I never had those feelings, those okay. competitive caddy feelings that a lot right. of people have. Especially I'm sure, yeah. Much more so the actresses deal with that. Yeah. Just that, like, but I always felt like it, there's so many factors involved that I don't know about that right. all I can do is just do my best. Because I think when it didn't happen for me, when I had been up on all those big parts in the early 90s and I didn't pop through and become a star like Brad Pitt or Keanu yeah. Reeves or all those guys or or guys that are a little younger than me you know Matt Damon it, it was really painful I'm, I'm not gonna lie it was right. and I definitely had depression over it it was like a death in in 2009 10 11 and and staying focused on school and getting my degree really helped me but knowing that there's so many factors that were out of my control i i just had to let it go mm -hmm. and and realize that i i gave a hundred percent and i just never got that right role at the right time and you get it blah 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 yeah. and and it is what it is you know um, and just to enjoy and be grateful for the experience that i did have i mean because you had memorable roles i mean it, it, like ski school i mean another cult classic yes yeah, it's, yeah, it's it, ski school, exactly. yeah. it was there's only a handful of ski movies and ski school plays in rotation every winter on all the right. cable channels yeah. and then i still ski okay. and, and even literally to this day probably the last time i was in aspen i have a good friend in aspen who has a home there uh was maybe two three years ago i still get recognized because <laughs> I, <laughs> right. I, I i've taken good care of myself so i still yeah. look so similar to johnny and right. they're like it's usually the guys that are like around 40 yeah. so they were like you know right. 10 11 12 15 when the movie yeah. came out and they're like they'll look at me like in the lift line or something they're like were you were you were you johnny in ski school yeah. and i'm like and they crack up oh yeah. my god right. so yeah that's that's really fun it is it's a lot of fun and 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 yeah. i've been asked to take pictures and stuff in lift line you right. get it and, and yeah it's, it's it's just a lot of fun and i I'm so grateful to have had that experience, you know? Yeah. I, I had Stuart and Patrick on and uh, I didn't really talk to Stuart about the movie, but Patrick, I did. He had a blast shooting and he's like, I really didn't do much of the skiing, but he's like, but Brezhan did all the skiing. He was an animal out there. <laughs> yeah. I did all my own skiing yeah. except the aerials because the, right. I couldn't do it anyway. And they were like, yeah. Even if you can, we can't have you break your right. neck. What are you crazy? Yeah, we, we had to insure you. But I was an expert skier, and that was partly why I got the part. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. But yeah, Patrick and Stewart were, and and Dean Cameron. They yeah. were these three kind of comedy guys. They were just hilarious. They were so easy to to play off of. I didn't have the comedic experience that they had, and yeah. they were so cool to me and sort of right. just 
we're easy to sort of improvise with and yeah. stuff and some of those goofball scenes those animal house kind of yeah. scenes they were yeah. great i've actually um dean is 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 so cool we we've had some correspondence over the years right. and what what i know i don't know if all three of them did ski school two or something i don't know how that happened yeah but, i um, think it was just dean they, they, they were uh those those guys were awesome and and patrick i know had a a really yeah. successful career he was a yeah. regular on one of those shows like a big show for a while right yeah I remember. Well, he was yeah jag and then you know yeah I'll, exactly yeah. he was like a regular on jag right. for 10 years yeah <laughs> that's awesome and then a I, I did a guest shot on, on Jag. Okay, <laughs> yeah, right. He, he, I did one. He did like a hundred. So good yeah. for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now uh, another role that I don't think anyone really remembers, unfortunately, because the show lasted like six episodes. But it was kind of a precursor to what you see now with like nine nine one one and the, all the Chicago shows was Help. And I, I had um, Joe Erla on. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah. He was on Seinfeld for a little bit, and I never heard of the show because, like I said, it was like, you know, came and went. But you know, Dick Wolf, you know, created it. So, wh why didn't that last? And like, why do you did he do that? Do you know, before he went on to Law and Order, or was that kind of at the same time? No, that was after. And I oh, remember well. that audition. Um, it was it was Dick Wolf, Law and Order. Yeah. I remember the final callbacks at Universal, and 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 I they cast me. Uh, I was sort of the young uh, probation probie, you know, rookie yeah. fireman or whatever. And John Mahoney was right. a, a very well-regarded stage actor and had been in, I think, Moonstruck and was yeah. highly regarded. And uh, Wesley Snipes was, yeah. was in it. And uh, David Caruso was in the pilot. Um, James McDaniel, who went on to be in NYPD right. Blue, was it. So it had a, an amazing cast. And Joe Earl, who's a great guy. I love Joe. He was yeah. so cool. Very sweet man. Really right. down to earth. But, you know, if I had to guess or whatever, the show had a really bad name. I'm serious. It had a goofy okay. name. We right. shot it under the title of 911, you know, emergency dial 911. Yeah. But yeah. then they renamed it Help, Harlem Eastside Lifesaving Program. And I'll never forget the uh the new york post review and and my picture yeah. was in the new york post with john mahoney i think in the new york times too and the new york post said help needs aid <laughs> i was like <laughs> oh my god right they should have named it something cool yeah. you know law and order you you know how shows are the audience has to know what it is like friends or exactly or er or <laughs> they were like help is this like the beatles movie you know they didn't yeah. get it and um the show didn't catch on obviously but but i i had a blast and wesley snipes yeah. and i became friendly right. um he took me to a party with him in brooklyn where spike lee and that whole crew right. was because wesley i think had done um the first of his couple mm -hmm. of movies with spike right. um uh uh, jungle fever and then he did a movie obviously with with denzel and uh wesley was so freaking cool yeah. great guy and, and everyone was john mahoney right. was really cool uh 
again, sort of as a young actor, I was maybe a little nervous in some scenes and John was just like, dude, you got this breathe. And, you know, and it it was, it was a great experience. Dick Wolf was really cool. I remember running into him a couple of years later on 57th street with a friend of mine, just, just walking down 57th street. And I said, I said, Mr. Wolf, hi. And he's like, Tom. And then like, like, like we were no friends. time pass. right he was so cool and he was like i, I was with a, a buddy of mine a business associate and he was like great to see you tom how are you okay you know i've got other things coming don't worry we'll get you in and and my friend was like wow that's dick wolf you know that is so yeah. cool and i was like yeah like like i was just maybe a little surprised at how friendly and supportive he was to me. You know, the guy knows hundreds of actors. Right. So yeah, H-E-L-P was, was another great experience. Just, just fun. And, and, you know, made, made some friends and. Yeah. You think maybe it was a little before it's time. I don't know. It's hard to say there was a show that came after that. And I'm blanking on the name of it, but it's it's a it's it's sort of a Chicago Fire, I think, or something. Yeah, we were basically Chicago Fire, but only right. New York Fire. Whatever. Before it's time, Chicago Fire is a monster hit. I think yeah. it's still on or whatever. If not, it ran for six or seven years. Yeah. So you know how it is. I think it was one of those. Maybe it was before it's time. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe. I know Dick was probably working on this sort of law and order SUVs, maybe one or two of the spinoffs and, 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 and probably realized this is my, this is my meal ticket here. Yeah. And, and maybe didn't put the focus on our show that he could have. I have no idea, but it it, it was a great experience for me either way. Yeah. So when someone comes to you, like, whether it's what you're doing now and you tell them you're, you know, you're a former actor, what's the role that you tell them that I was in like first, like, or, uh, or you're most known for, what do you think? Is it always the same one you bring up? It, it, it usually is. It's usually because none of the TV stuff is, is something that they really are going to sort of search to pull up. Um, if people are skiers, I'll be, I usually say yeah. ski school or the brain right. of yeah. dead because they've been on cable so many times and you can rent them everywhere. So yeah. even if people don't know, then they can go again. If you have Amazon prime, you can watch the brain. It is, it is dated. We get that, but they see that I'm the main character and, right. and, and, and again, we've seen plenty of stars in their first films back in the day that are kind of cheesy or whatever. And, um, and, and like I said, for my clients, it's, 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 it really is a game changer because when they watch me as a high school student doing all the cool stuff and running and and, and defying authority and getting the girl and all that, they're like, Oh my God. And then usually the next session I have with them, it's totally different. They're like, okay, I'm ready to listen. Right. So it, it really helps me. It's great. Yeah. It's almost like an intro video you should just put on at first. <laughs> that scene. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I love you since you brought the brain back up and I didn't mention it before. The end when they do the disclaimer about combining the sodium and the water. It's like, don't try this at home. I love how that, that rolls right before the credits. Because I'm sure people have tried that. 
Exactly. And the, and the young, the, the teen and young 20s guys see that. Yeah. And, and then usually some stories about crazy shit that they've done come up yeah. and, and they're like, but don't tell my parents. And right. I'm like, don't worry. You have, I, I can't tell your parents anything unless you give me permission. Right. And it, it, it builds trust that's because good. that that's when I can really reach them and, and, and have effective change happen mm-hmm. when they really trust me and can reveal what's really going on with them. Right. Can you watch yourself like in old roles or do you immediately? Yeah. Yeah. Back at the time being back in the day, it was hard for me because, and and you know this, even people like Paul Newman and Gene Hackman and big stars can't watch themselves. They freak out. So it's now it doesn't really bother me at all. I can watch it just from a different yeah. place in my life. And it, it's like watching an old home movie or something. I can right. just laugh. I, I've watched, I, I watched, um, it was funny. I, when I turned 60 back in October, the big six, oh, uh, I watched The Brain, um, which had just come on Amazon Prime with, yeah. with my daughter and her yeah. mother. Um, because she was finally old enough to, for some of the gory stuff right, exactly. and um, she just got a huge kick out of it she was just <laughs> glued to the screen yeah. and then was kind of looking at me different for a couple of days because because yeah. not like my dad's a star but just like seeing her dad moving through the world as a high school student that doesn't look much older than her I could tell it was kind of like yeah. just bizarre for her and and right. it was kind of fun oh, that's good has she expressed any interest in like being an actress or anything or no she has um i don't know if it's genetic or what but mm-hmm. they did romeo and juliet at her school a few years ago and she played juliet it, okay. it was a it was a sort of condensed version right and she sings and dances she takes singing and dancing classes and stuff and she's got a beautiful voice but who knows? I, I'm not yeah. discouraging it, but right. I'm also saying let's let's just sort of make sure that we, if you're going yeah. to do this, let's have a plan and maybe right. go to college first and have a fallback career and stuff like that because it's so competitive and yeah. it, it's almost like as you realize, not not to take anything away mm-hmm. from guys like Brad Pitt or or um, Christian Bale or Matt Damon. These guys are brilliant actors. Um, but there is some luck involved. There is some being in the right place at the right time, the right role, the right people that just get you. And they're like, this is the guy. Um, I produced a movie called, they call him Sasquatch. It was sort of a goofy comedy about Bigfoot. Right. And Dave Vangus, uh, the director and also a co-producer of mine mm-hmm. um, is a very successful second, first and second AD. He he did like Minority Report with Spielberg okay. and all sorts of, he did the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, I believe. Right. Huge, huge assistant director. Um, and he did um, Catch Me If You Can. Okay. With Steven and, and Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. And I remember him telling me, and not to take anything away from anybody, but I remember him telling me, Stephen would give, uh, Tom would do like four or five takes and then they'd turn around on Leo and sometimes they'd give Leo 25, 30 takes. Huh. 
And again, nothing against Leo. The guy's a brilliant actor. But I know for me, if during even the brain ski school, twice dead, some of my early films, if I'd had even 10 or 15 takes, things might have been different for me. Right. Because those films, I'm telling you right now, they were one or two takes and we're moving on. (laughs) That's it. And, And you always thought, and I think that was part of not wanting to watch yourself because invariably after you thought about her for a while and you were in the sort of game situation on the set, actually shooting it with your co-stars, you do one or two takes and have to move on. But even a couple hours later, you realize, God, I could have done this in that moment or pick that object up or just gone silent there or whatever, you know, or let the camera move in on me for that screen presence. But it was too late. So, you know, it is what it is, but uh, I do know that there were a lot of other factors involved to guys making it big other than, because I had the look and I had the talent. I know that I was in the game. I got up between 88 and 95. I got up on all the big parts. Um, uh, a, A woman at, Warner Brothers named Marion Doherty. She's actually, they did a Showtime documentary on her. She's one of the most yeah. famous casting directors in the history of the business. She had a little index card file and, and some of her old cars that she saved had like James Dean, Gene Hackman, wow. all the right. huge, she was an assistant on Giant, I think, okay. assistant casting director. Yeah. And Marion loved me. There was a there was about an 18 month period there in the early nineties where she brought me in for everything at Warner brothers that I was right for and was like, Tom, you've got this, you can do this. She, she even could tell that I had nerves and that right. my nerves were getting in the way. And um, I remember they were, they, they were <clears throat> casting dying young okay. Um with Julia Roberts and uh, Cameron, um, like no, Campbell, Campbell Scott. Scott. Yeah. But Campbell, yeah. no, 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 no. It, I'm sorry. It was they, they were casting singles, and oh, okay. Cameron Crow was directing, and Cameron just thought I was perfect for this part mm-hmm. opposite Kira Sedgwick, and they brought me in. They brought me in, and then they screen yeah. tested me, and I know Campbell Scott was one of the finalists but he'd had his head shaved because he had just done dying young with um and and they didn't want the head shaved and anyway long story short i just remember being nervous and i remember um cameron just being so cool and like it's okay man just take a breath you got this just 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 be like light and fun and sort of you know and it wasn't with Kira Sedgwick, but it was they they brought an actress in. It wasn't like I was reading with Mary. But again, I just remember once once I would get closer to the network or the studio or the final auditions yeah. and, and the sort of the stakes were higher, I had trouble just okay. still being loose and improvising and not giving a shit. Right. And I know now, and this is what I really work on with my clients. I know now because my childhood was kind of nutty and my, my dad was still having alcoholism problems and there was lots of craziness going on in the household. 
I know that I had this sort of wounded part of me that really wanted to please. And, and as you know, that need to please doesn't work as an actor. You, you have to be able to just sort of try something. And if it doesn't work, take two. Just right. be okay and, and not give a shit in a sense. Just give yourself that freedom. So um, that was one of the painful things that I really came to an awareness about years later. And, and had I known then what I know now kind of thing. Yeah. And it was really, really painful for me um, at times in, 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 you know, in, in the years after I let go of Hollywood and all that. But again, I, I, I know that I could have gone another way as far as River Phoenix or Philip Seymour Hoffman, who I yeah. knew, I knew right. Phil. He was very close friends with my brother, who's an actor. And Phil, I, I know not to say anything, whatever, this is yeah. all public knowledge, but Phil had a very painful childhood. And, and, and you cut to 30 years later and all the money and fame doesn't fill that hole. And if you don't, if you don't deal with that and come to terms with that, it will destroy you. Right. Marilyn Monroe, Elvis, we, we know. So it's, that's something that I learned obviously on a much smaller level. I'm not comparing myself to those people, but, but on a human level, it's no different. No, and, and, and that really helps with my clients because when I can sort of, sort of talk to young guys like this, young boys and young men, and, and they really get it like, wow, he, he's the real deal. He's been there. He's not someone that, not to put anyone down, but he's not someone that got their degree and learned it in the book. And now yeah. they're a therapist and they're 35 and they're going to tell me the answer to all the stuff I'm saying with what they learn in a book. They know, right. oh, this guy's actually been out there and, and done some things in life yeah. and has some life experience. So um, it, I, I realize now it was all meant to be. It was all my path. Right. Oh, that's great. Now, if someone wants to like get your services, how can they contact you? They, they can find me on social media, on Facebook or whatever, Tom Bresnahan, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm redoing my whole social media presence in my website. It's empoweringyoungmen.net just like it sounds empowering young men.net, but social media, Facebook, it's easy to find me and they can direct message me. Um, that's how I get a lot of clients. Right. I post about, I don't use social media for what I ate that night or yeah. stuff like that. Not, not <laughs> right. that I'm judging anyone, but for yeah. me, it's a, it's a, it's a tool that I can reach out into the world, into the community and, and talk to people about what I do and how I can help them. And, and I do get a lot of clients that way where they, they see something I'm posting and they direct message me and say, Hey, could we maybe talk? And you understand. So yeah, Facebook is the best way. Direct message me. We can set up a call. And um, I always tell people, if I can't help you or your son, I guarantee I know someone who can. That's, that's great. But Tom, I really appreciate your time today. This was fantastic and uh, best of luck with the work. Thank you so much, Noel. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you. And a special thanks to Tom for joining me today. Check out his website, empoweringyoungmen.net. 
And if you have a guest suggestion, hit me up on Twitter at the first Nolan 19 or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. Shows on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, basically wherever you can find a podcast. A new episode comes out eh, every week. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you then.